0: Welcome fellow lighting nerds and friends to the light files, the lighting industry's podcast powered by the lighting showroom association and hosted by me, Lisa Bartlett. Thank you again for, for, thank you for joining me once again this week. Don't forget to, um, share this podcast with any industry friend, professional colleague, Um, somebody else who runs an independent business, anybody that you um, think might get some value all the time or occasionally from listening to this podcast, uh, I super appreciate it. Um, Like, subscribe, rate, review, all of those things you hear other podcasters talking about, it is important. So thank you for um, participating and joining the conversation here at The Light Files. It means so much to me and to the LSA, and we appreciate you taking 20 minutes out of your week every week to listen to this podcast. The mission, of course, of the podcast is to uh, get kickstart ideas, get thoughts going, uh, improve communication. So it's my hope that every time you listen to this podcast, you come away with some measure of inspiration, small or large, or even just the motivation to keep going every day because, um, our jobs, whether, um, it seems like it or not, our jobs can be a grind just like any other job. And, uh, sometimes I find myself looking for that little extra kick in the shorts to keep going, keep trying, um don't give up all those things so hopefully uh in some way this podcast can provide that for you for your job and if it does even once i will consider it a success and thank you so much for listening and again sharing and telling a friend so thank you um this week i want to talk about a couple things mostly i want to talk about how over the past couple years my idea of what makes a good lighting showroom salesperson, either I think an inside or outside salesperson, this applies to um, how my kind of conception of my ideal candidate for that job has changed over the past couple years. I don't know if this is just a work experience thing, and some of you are going to say to the points I'm about to make that you were already hiring that candidate. Um, but it's, uh, or, you know, is my perspective, you know, pandemic changed or I'm, you know, I'm just not sure. Um, so I'm going to kind of throw this out here. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me, um, tell me if you're seeing some of these same changes or, you know, resets and how you're thinking about the people that you're hiring or whether you think I've got it wrong. So please join the conversation. At Light Files podcast on Instagram. Um, so, when I first started hiring salespeople for the showroom, I was r- really focused on the sales part of the job. I felt like if I had somebody that could sell, whether it was cars or bicycles or <laughs> audiovisual equipment or furniture or air conditioning systems, or whatever the case may be, I felt like if I had a person that could sell and had the personality to sell, that I could teach them the lighting part. And I did prefer people that had maybe more of a technical sales background. So that would be, you know, maybe somebody that did something more mechanical, or, again, or even just an interior designer um, that had a very sales background, like maybe they worked at Ethan Allen or something like that. I So I was always kind of looking for proven salespeople, thinking I would teach them the home decor part separate. Well, as things have progressed, it's not that I'm not looking for great salespeople, You know, you still need somebody that's gregarious, outgoing, willing to engage a stranger, willing to make cold calls, willing to do all the things that a salesperson does. But I actually have found what I think is more important is a maybe not a passion for the home furnishings industry, but a really, really strong interest and like for it. Because I fi- am I have found, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, the thing that I actually have the hardest part, uh, the hardest time teaching someone is the value their excellent salesmanship can bring to somebody's home and literal everyday life. So if somebody isn't kind of really connected to this idea that, Okay, yes, maybe I'm a salesperson making a commission and it, you know, benefits me to sell these, you know, widgets. <laughs> if someone isn't really connected to that idea that what they are providing to a homeowner is a really great service and add-on to their everyday experience in life, like if somebody isn't really bought into this idea that the furnishings you fill your home with make a huge difference in your mindset and your attitude, whether you're joyful in your house or whether you're sad in your house. Um, You know, this is, of course, one aspect of things that make us happy or not in our lives. But having great home furnishings that reflect your personality and taste can make walking into your home such a pleasant experience. I'll pick on my own life um, just for an example, but I'm sure you get it. Um, so the, the kitchen in my house was very nicely renovated in the mid-1990s, and it was an excellent upgrade. At the time when it was done, this was a top-tier renovation. But the kitchen, no matter how lovely it was and how much money it cost somebody all these years ago, I don't know, seems like it was probably pricey, there is no reflection of me In that kitchen. And so while I can appreciate it as well done, I don't, it doesn't to borrow a phrase here. It doesn't like spark joy for me because it's not my taste. So really I think the core thing that I want to see in somebody I'm hiring to be a salesperson in my home furnishings industry, lighting fans, electrical devices, a little bit of gifts, decor, artwork, furniture. I really want somebody who resonates, it resonates and connects with them. This idea that your furnishings make your house your home. And that we're not just selling that, we're selling a great experience that people are going to wake up with, go to bed with, love every single day of their lives. So people that kind of get that. So how do you find those people? Well, that's an excellent question. (laughs) It's um, certainly very easy to ask, like in a job interview, like, do you think this is important? You know, do you appreciate the value of great furnishings in your home? Do you watch HGTV? Do you, you know, does this like resonate with you? You know, these are really easy questions to ask. And, you know, my least favorite part of interviewing wonderful people for jobs, and I've interviewed many wonderful people, is that, um, they always are just looking to tell me what I want to hear or what they think I want to hear. And I totally appreciate where that comes from. I know when I was being interviewed, that was in the forefront of my mind. Like what is what is what are the things I can say that are gonna land me this job? I think we all do ourselves a disservice when we go into a job interview in that mind space. And, okay, call that easy for me to say, you know, if I have a bunch of options, a college degree, yeah, Lisa, maybe you can have your pick of jobs. I get it. But I think if you're really looking to embark on a career it's really great to be honest about the your passions, you know, when asked or things you don't connect with as much because when you do land the job, it's all going to come out anyway. <laughs> and it's so much easier if we can just kind of identify things up front. Um I there is a whole world of things that I am okay with a person not being the best at because that's not necessarily what I'm looking for them to be the best at, but maybe their personality, their joy for providing these excellent experiences for a customer. Like if that, if that measure is high for somebody, that almost outweighs almost any negative I could think of. Um, I actually, I like to listen to a podcast that I will plug very briefly. It's called No Stupid Questions. It's by, um, one half of the Freakonomics, uh, team, Stephen Dubner and, um, Angela Duckworth is his co-host or co-whatever on it, but, um, it's a really great podcast. I highly recommend it. But they were talking about, um, hiring and hiring processes and, um, one of their recommendations was which I think the next time I go to hire for a really key position, especially like a salesperson was to get a written, like to do written job interview questions and get some sort of like work sample. Um, so, you know, if you're hiring an interior designer, you know, that could be pretty easy. You know, if you're, you know, if somebody has a design degree and you can ask for samples of their work or whatever, but this really resonated with me so much so that I wrote it down to remember to do, because so much of like the communication that we do in the modern world is written. Like so much of what we do is written down, whether emails or whatever it is, um, whether those are internal emails, emails to customers, just like notes on an order. So much of what we do is written and getting a good sense right off the bat of someone's written communication is is huge. And to go with the point I was making earlier about their like passion for home furnishings, I think if some of these interview questions were tailored around the idea of sharing your, you know, experience with like a a great um, interior design or what did you think when you saw this that like, I think people that can communicate their passion for what they do via the written word. And also, of course, in person, I think this is like a really huge benefit that you could have in a salesperson. And it's definitely something I'm going to be on the lookout for (laughs) moving forward. And I just think having somebody that really can buy into this concept of great furnishings make for a great space, which is going to only improve your life. I think that is so key and I can teach them the rest of how to sell. You know, um, we used to uh, really focus our hiring on interior designers, usually, you know, fresh out of school, you know, very young, just starting out in their career. And that was kind of the same concept of like getting people that understood how decor works, how things can fit together. You know, when you're showed a picture of somebody's, you know, living room to help them pick out a light fixture that will coordinate with that. Um, And that was really great. The sort of the downfall we had with designers at the beginning of their career is they would come and absorb all this knowledge about lighting and light fixtures and fans. And they would like really bone up on that because oftentimes it's uh, something that's very um, underrepresented in their education. Uh, So they would learn, get a couple years in, and then they would leave to go work at a true interior design firm or something similar um, and take all this great knowledge they had with them. And so like, it's like a mixed blessing, right? Like, Oh, I'm so glad to get all this extra lighting knowledge out in the world because it's like my passion in life. But also I invested all that time in these people to make sure they knew all of that. And now they're just taking that information and using it at their next job. And, you know, back when this was first a trend for us, there weren't as many manufacturers that sold direct to designers, but now there is, a plethora of manufacturers that sell their goods direct to designers. I know at an increased margin or freight, I know it's not the same terms I get, I get it. But all I did was empower these designers with all this information to just go and purchase direct from manufacturers So then it's like, oh, (laughs) have have I shot my own self in the foot? You know, years in the making. So it's just been uh, that is a little bit of a frustration with with hiring somebody that has this you know kind of design first mentality. But that said, the people that have been our best, most successful um, sales uh, consultants and lighting consultants at my store are definitely the ones that really embrace this idea of making a house a home and doing it through the products that we sell and understanding how much joy a remote control from a ceiling fan can really bring one's life, believe it or not. (laughs) I've often heard about hiring and having a staff that the people that will excel and rise are the people that make their boss's job easier and not necessarily the big boss but maybe just like their, you know, sales manager. I've often heard that said and that definitely rings true, but I have certainly had this like shift lately in thinking about the best sales team, the best employees in general aren't necessarily those who make their boss's job easier, but those who actually make their colleagues' job easier. I've really been reflecting on this a lot as, you know, in any workplace, uh, drama and issues come and go. They flare up. This person did this this week, and next week everything's fine. It's um, uh, a challenging part of being a manager of personalities, Um, you know, I, of course, probably just like anybody listening to this podcast, who is a manager of people, all you really want is for people to come to work on time, do their jobs in the manner of which it's asked of them, hopefully even excel, you know, rise above that mark just a little bit. And then when they're done that go home, put the day aside and come back tomorrow and do it again with a fresh spirit. Um, it just turns out that, uh, that sometimes outside of human nature and even against our best intentions, um, the outside world creeps in, drama creeps in, uh, a mix of personalities that wasn't self-selected, but was kind of chosen for you can create tension in a way that you really don't want. Um, and it, it can be so challenging and not just for managers, but for the employees themselves. So I've been also giving a lot of thought of how to kind of ease some of that in a work environment. And I I guess I can be very triggered by this issue because like I'll scroll through Instagram in the morning and, you know, find all manner of internet memes about, um, you know, bad bosses and bad leadership and, you know, people complaining about going to work and I don't like work and everything else. And, um I know that I'm very lucky and that I love my job and I love going to work. I might get have like motivation days like where it's you know hard for me to keep up the energy, but at at the end of every day I love what I do and I am passionate about it and I enjoy it. But when you see some of these memes and you think, oh my gosh, does my staff think this about me? Am I that person? Am I that Susan? Am I that Karen? Is, Is that me? Like you worry so much about these things because I think any boss that cares about their staff, any manager, I shouldn't say boss, any manager that cares about their staff wants everyone to come to work and be happy and engaged with what they do. And certainly doesn't want anybody to come to work and have any sort of like negative feelings about another colleague or their environment in particular. Um, (laughs) so, in just thinking, going, circling back around to how I started this and thinking about how I've shifted how I think about the person that I want to hire, I'm definitely looking for someone that connects with this concept of the value of home furnishings in one's life. And I'm also looking for a person that really connects with this idea of Work is great and it can be a joy and it can also be something that's put aside when, you're, when your shift is over so that you can focus on the rest of life. I think they call this work-life balance, but I really want somebody that enjoys and appreciates a work-life balance and can work when they're working and be off when they're off and try not to intermix the two too, too much. You know, of course it happens sometimes. And especially as you rise up in your career and become a manager sales supervisor, sales manager, whatever the case may be. Yeah, of course you're going to be needed to be on call more than you were before. And ideally your salary and benefits and everything else reflects that need. But I definitely appreciate this person that is focused on bringing joy to their clients and Having a great balance in their work and home life so that they can get all the satisfaction they need outside of work and potentially not bring any negative whatever into work and keep our workspace just flowing better. Because all of these things, these two big things, make us so much more successful in terms of sailing, self sailing, (laughs) maybe sailing, in terms of selling, in terms of taking care of our customers. And just having a great, pleasant place to be, not only for us as staff, but for our customers as well. And having a great environment for customers is so, so key and has the potential to make sales go so much easier and better and faster than they would do otherwise. So instead of just being focused on this person that can sell and not really thinking about anything else my shift has changed, or my my mindset has changed to this more, I'm going to call it almost more of a touchy-feely mindset. Like I was just focused so much on the numbers. Can you sell? Can you help us meet this goal? And now it's more of a holistic approach to, do you believe in what we're doing here? Can you find a great way to balance this in your existing life and just bring joy and passion and light to work every day? No pun intended there with the light. I want to just take, close this podcast with one sort of sidebar, but maybe it'll encourage you. So a lot of, you know, if you follow me on social media that, uh, a few weeks ago I got a, um, a car, um, it's a Mazda Miata it's a point that that's besides the point, it's a manual transmission is the point. <laughs> and I really wanted to tell you all something that I learned from this uh, experience of driving a car that is a manual transmission when my whole life, I have only really driven automatic transmission cars. I've known how to drive a manual since I was in high school, like the mechanics of it, but the practice of it, doing it frequently, I've never done it until this car. And I had a lot of anxiety about it. And I, you know, went and did a bunch of practicing and, you know, drove around the neighborhood so much that one of my neighbors stopped me and they said, you've ridden by four times what's going on. And I was like, I'm just practicing getting out of first gear anyway, without stalling anyway. But I really want to encourage you. So now that I am getting better at this, by no means am I perfect but I'm taking the car out on the road. I'm putting myself out there into a situation that makes me a little uncomfortable. And that's the key. I'm putting myself in a situation that makes me a little uncomfortable, but I am finding, I am sparking so much creativity and energy and excitement just by doing that. It seems so silly, but forcing myself into this situation that is a slight uncomfortable place for me to be, I feel not quite as in control as I would like to be because I'm not as experienced about what I'm doing, but when I arrive to work or home or wherever, I find that my mood is on this level of energy and excitement and enthusiasm and willingness to try new things that I would not have predicted or expected or understood, really, I just think it's so important to take these moments that life presents to us when we're really challenged by something new and to break out of our our regular patterns. Just break the pattern in some small way. Do something in a different order, whatever the case may be. Try something new. I don't really don't recommend buying a new car to try this out, but whatever the case may be, try something new, break your pattern. And I think you will be so shocked at the burst of energy and enthusiasm that you will get from just switching things up a little bit. And I was thinking about that as I started this podcast, talking about hiring practices and how my mindset has changed. And that's kind of been a slow burn for me. But this kind of experience in this new car that's a little out of my comfort zone has really kind of connected these dots mentally for me, that there is a lot of value, I think for all of us to step out of our comfort zones, try something new and get that creative burst of energy that you can get from trying something new and learning from it. Maybe the lesson you learn is good. Maybe it's not, not, maybe it's bad. Maybe it's somewhere in between, but you've learned something and become more energized by it. And I think that's super valuable and important. Because things can get so repetitive, so mundane, so everyday, that trying something new uh, can really bring such fresh energy to your life, I think you'll be totally surprised by it. I know I was. I was totally caught off guard. I love what I do. I love my life. I love going to work every day. But um, this new thing, this new experience has really kind of ignited a new excitement in trying new things and being willingness to break out of the box and try new new experiences, new paths, listening to other mindsets and thoughts, um, I think it's been uh, just a real eye opening experience for me. And I would encourage anybody to do that. Apply that in any way you want. But if I were going to apply it to what we do in our lighting industry every day, I think it's time to stop being so locked into the same old, same old ways. And to really think about how freshening things up might make everybody more successful, more enthusiastic, more profitable. We don't have to do the same old, same old. The world is out there for us. Let's, let's make a shift and take it. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you all. Have a wonderful day, and I will talk to you next time.